So last week we kicked off a new series where uh, really the whole point is that you would know Jesus a little bit more and that you would grow with Jesus just a little bit more. That's the whole point of this next month is pointing out stories and miracles and interactions that Jesus had with other people in scripture, specifically the gospel of John. You have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, where tell us, uh, tells us all about Jesus's life here on earth. So we're using the book of John to help us answer those questions. Well, what was Jesus like? What was he like when he interacted with one another? How does he interact with me? What does it look like to follow Jesus? What is Jesus asking me when we follow him? All those types of questions we're trying to answer just by knowing him a little bit better through the gospel of John. And I invited you to do this with me last week. I'll give you the invitation as well again today to walk through the entire book of John over this next month. So it's one chapter out of John every single day. So if you did last week, we started last Monday. So last Monday, we read John 1 all the way through. So today, if you're following with that reading plan, you would be on John... I can tell who's been reading because you knew that answer without looking at my fingers. Yes, today would be reading John 7 and tomorrow's John 8. Here's a great way to stay connected with me throughout that entire time. If you want to text John to the number you'll see on the screen, 678-944-8690, that plugs you into my text group. So I, last week, just texted out two. I promised I wouldn't blow your phone up. I stayed good to that. So just a couple text messages here and there reminding you, giving you some thoughts, things to look at specifically. So if you want to jump in that with us, you can join us as we go through the entire book of John together as a church. Take a picture of it, text that in. That way you can stay with us. If you've got a Bible, we are going to be in John chapter 5 today, reading through a great story, one of Jesus's miracles. There's seven that are accounted for in the book of John. This is one of those. Let me read through the whole story so you know what's happening, you understand beginning to end of this story. We'll pray, and then we're going to dive into it and see how we can learn just a little bit more about Jesus and grow in our relationship with him. John chapter 5, starting in verse 1. Afterward, Jesus returned to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish holy days. Inside the city near the Sheep Gate was the pool of Bethesda. With five covered porches, crowds of sick people, blind, lame, or paralyzed, they lay on the porches. One of the men lying there had been sick for 38 years. Remember that. That's a big deal. Verse 6, when Jesus saw him, he knew he had been ill for a long time, and he asked him this question, would you like to get well? Man's response in verse 7, I can't, sir, the sick man said, for I have no one to put me into the pool when the water bubbles up. Someone else, someone else always gets there ahead of me. That probably doesn't make a lot of sense to you. Don't worry, we're going to unpack it and I'll help you understand. Verse 8, Jesus told him, stand up, pick up your mat, and walk. And instantly... The man was healed. He rolled up his sleeping mat and began walking. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for the, the accounts, the, the truth that we get from your word. My prayer this morning is that we, regardless of where we are spiritually, that you would meet us right where we are and that we would get to know you, Jesus, just a little bit more, that we would grow and take some next steps in our relationship with you. Jesus, we know that you are speaking to us through your Holy Spirit. May we be attentive. May we be listening. May we be willing to hear what you have to say to each and every one of us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. So uh, yesterday, Saturday, was a super nice day outside. And because it was a really nice day, my honey to-do list got really long yesterday. Um, uh, I don't know if you know this or not, but 5 for 10 over at Home Depot 
mulch bags. So any time that that five for 10 happens, uh, my wife is like, hey, you're going to Home Depot, right? And I'm like, yes, ma'am, I most certainly am. So we got the mulch, loaded up the trailer with the mulch. We got the pine straw, spent yesterday finishing up the mulch, finishing up some areas with rock and finishing up the pine straw. Did all of that in the morning on my day off, just to be clear on that one. Becky's not in this service. It'll sound different next service. But I did all that work on my day off and I finally finished and I went to this right here. This is my chair on the back patio. So I finished all the work, I go to my back patio and I just collapse. I just sit in my chair, it's under a shade area so it's like I've got the shade, it was a nice day and I sit in my chair and I just do nothing, right? You just sit and you relax and you get comfortable because all of the hard work that has just been accomplished. And from that, the, the words or the phrases that I did not want to hear, I started to hear within just a few moments. Those words of, get up, we gotta go. And I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. No get up, no we have to go. But of course, kids are wanting to do something. We had some other errands we still had to run. So it felt like the moment I sat down, it was, don't get too comfy. <laughs> Don't get too comfortable. It's time to get up. It's time to go. And the only thing I wanted to do was to sit still, to not move, to stay comfortable. I think we get in this space very, very, very easily, spiritually speaking, where we get very comfortable. And yes, we put in some hard work. And yes, we had busyness here. And yes, we've been working towards this. At some point, we all get to a place where we just want to sit. And I trust me, there's nothing wrong with rest and relaxing. Like, that's biblical. But I'm not talking about rest. I'm talking about comfort. And when you sit in the same spot long enough, what becomes more difficult to do? Getting back up. In fact, sometimes you try, like, mm, nope, not yet. <laughs> so we stay put, and we stay in a place of comfort because it's harder to get up. Because we don't want to get up. We don't want to keep going. We don't want to have to keep moving. So it's much easier and much more enjoyable if we just stay put. So what we're going to see, we, we read through the story. What I want us to do in this story is not necessarily focus just on the miracle. Yes, Jesus did something miraculous. I don't want to diminish that or take anything away from that. But I want us to focus on some other aspects of the story around the miracle. Because for me, the miracle is not just Jesus helped a lame man walk. In my opinion, the miracle is almost how this man, who was comfortable, got up and walked. Because I think that's a miracle for us as well. I get so comfortable. I get stuck in my ways. And sometimes the miracle we need is to just get uncomfortable. Just so we're on the same page, here's how I'm going to describe comfort. So anytime I say the word comfort, I want you to think of this phrase or even this prayer in a spiritual context, comfort would say this, God, give me more so I can depend on you less. That's how I'm describing comfort. I know that sounds terrible, doesn't it? But that's what comfort would do. God, give me more money so that I don't have to depend less on you for my finances. God, would you get rid of more of my problems so I don't have to depend on you for all of these other problems? Comfort says, God, give me more so I can depend on you less. And what we see in scripture and God's desire for us is to actually depend on him more, to trust in him more, to rely on him more. So if comfort says, God, give me more so I can depend on you less, a deep faith 
would say, this is going to be hard to hear. You ready? God, would you maybe give me a little less so I have to depend on you more? A deeper faith would say, God, whatever it takes, I want to take a next step that causes me to not be comfortable, but causes me to depend on you more. Comfort will not challenge you. Comfort will not move you. And comfort will not change you. And oftentimes when we say yes to Jesus, we say yes, but I also want to be, comf- I want to be comfortable. And what I see in this story is a man that ends up saying yes to Jesus, and it makes him very, potentially very uncomfortable. So let's look at the story again through maybe a little bit of a different lens. Yes, there's a miracle here, but let's look at the miracle of moving and changing from comfort to being very uncomfortable. So as we go back through the story, we're going to highlight a few things. Hopefully this helps you again know Jesus just a little bit more and grow in your relationship with him a little bit more, even if it moves you and changes you out of what's been comfortable. First thing I want to point out in verse 5, it says, one of the men lying there had been sick for, do you remember how long? 38 years. That's a long time. And I think it's very intentional that we're told that John tells us that it was 38 years for a couple different reasons. One, we don't know if this man had been born this way where he was not able to use his legs his entire life or if it's just been a really long time. Now, the average life expectancy in first century Bible days in Israel and Palestine area was about 35 years old. So the fact that this man had been ill, had not been able to walk for 38 years tells us He's already on the other side of his prime, first of all. So it feels like a lifetime. 38 years is a long time, but for him, it truly would have been considered a lifetime. Whether it was from birth or it happened later on, this has been vastly the majority of his life. And you got to think, for 38 years, even though this is a very tragic scenario where he had been unable to use his legs, unable to walk for 38 years, even if your life is not ideal for 38 years, if you stay in the same spot for 38 years, you get comfortable. Even if it's not what you would want, even if it's not ideal, you do anything every day for 38 years, you're going to get comfortable. You stay in the same spot For 38 years, you're going to get comfortable. You live a life for 38 years and you get used to certain things. Even if it's not ideal, you get used to it and it's very easy to get comfortable. I would say that's where this man had been. 38 years of being ill. And then Jesus walks up and asks him a very odd question, doesn't he? Jesus comes up to him in verse 6. When Jesus saw him and knew he had been ill for a long time, for those 38 years, Jesus asked him, would you like to get well? Seems like a very silly question. Well, of course, the answer would be what? Yes, I've been sick for 38 years. I haven't been able to move my legs for 38 years. I haven't been able to walk for 38 years. Jesus, why are you asking this man, do you want to get well? It seems like it's obvious. It seems like a no-brainer. But again, let's go back to the 38 years. His life was predictable every single day for those 38 years. He had people that would carry him for 38 years. He knew what his day tomorrow was going to look like because it was the same as the last 38 years. When we get into a place of being comfortable, sometimes, not all the time, but sometimes comfort will actually keep you from change. Comfort can keep you from 
change. Even if it's a change that's necessary, even if it's a change that is needed, even if it is a change for the better, Jesus asked the great question, would you like to get well? And this man now has to think, well, I've been used to this life for 38 years. Think about all that would begin to change. If this man says, yes, I want to get healed. And if Jesus heals this man, think about everything that changes, not just the use of his legs, but think of everything else that would begin to domino and begin to change. This man would no longer be used, would be able to sit at the same spot. We'll talk more about the pool of Bethesda in a little bit, but that was just for people that needed to be healed. So now he's no longer going to be able to stay where he had normally stayed for the last 38-ish years. So his day tomorrow is going to look very different. He's going to have to re-enter society. He's going to have to contribute to society. He's going to have to get a job. He's going to have to re-engage with his family. And those dynamics, I'm sure, had changed over 38 years. His current relationships and his current responsibilities are about to be changed. He's going to gain new relationships. All the other people at the pool that he saw for all of those years, no longer would he really spend that much time with anymore. So he's going to have some new relationships. He's going to lose some old relationships. He's going to gain some new relationships. His responsibilities vastly change. He's going to have a lot of new responsibilities. Before, his responsibilities consisted of sitting next to the water by this pool in Jerusalem. To now I'm actually not being carried anymore. I'm actually walking places. I have to contribute. Again, job society. There's more here that begins to fill this question than just, do you want your legs to work? Jesus doesn't ask him if he wants his legs to be healed. Jesus says, do you want to be made well and be made whole? It's not necessarily a question of, do you want your legs to work? It's, are you ready for a change? Are you ready for a new life? Because the moment this man's legs are healed, the old life is gone, and it is a very, very different new life. I said that sometimes we choose comfort over change. We get so used to our comfort zone. We get so used to what we've had for the last 38 years. And then all of a sudden, we were getting asked a question, well, why don't you change? What needs to change? And our tendency often is to push back against the change. Because what did we say earlier? It's a lot harder to get back up the longer we've been there, isn't it? So sometimes we know we need to change, we know the areas of our life that need to be changed. We know what has to happen, yet oftentimes we'll choose comfort over change. Even if it's a change for the better, even if it's a change that's necessary, and even if it's a change we know that needs to happen, oftentimes we will choose comfort. Here's the man's response to Jesus' silly question. Verse 7, and he doesn't even answer Jesus' question. He doesn't say yes or no. This man goes straight to the reason why nothing good will ever happen. Because you can tell, like, this is a man that has been disappointed every day for 38 years. So he doesn't even acknowledge, I mean, yes, I'd love to be healed, but it's just, it's not going to happen. I can't do this. Verse 7, the man replies, I can't, sir. The sick man said, for I have no one to put me into the pool when the water bubbles up. Someone else always gets there ahead of me. All right, you ready for some context on this one? Because it doesn't make a lot of sense when you just read that. So here's what had happened. So outside of Jerusalem, there's what's called the Pool of Bethesda, big pool, and all these different porches that were covered. So you had, it was a great gathering place. And it was specifically a very popular gathering place for anybody that was looking for some kind of healing, mostly physical healings. 
Because there had been a superstition that had kind of started to take hold in this area. This pool was fed by an underwater or an underground spring. It was an underwater spring that fed this pool. But what, it, what would happen is periodically, air bubbles would come up, air pockets from that spring would come up that would create ripples in the water. Now, people around there began to believe in a superstition that when the water bubbled, it was an angel stirring the water, and the first person that would get into the water when it began to stir would be healed. So not true, that's a superstition, but this man believed it. And a lot of other people that were looking for healing also believed it. So that's why this was a very, very popular place for people needing healing. They would sit around and wait all day for that water to bubble thinking it was an angel that would then heal somebody that got in the pool. So any time that spring would release air pockets and bubbles would form and the water would move and ripple, it was a mad dash to be the first one in this pool. And this man, unable to use his legs, said, I have no one to put me into the pool and someone always gets in there ahead of me. It's helpless. I'm helpless and it's hopeless. So even though Jesus was asking, well, do you want to get well? This man's like, I can't. And I feel like Jesus is thinking, I didn't ask if you could or couldn't. I asked if you wanted to. And I feel like so often that's our response to Jesus. Jesus looks at us and says, are you ready for a change? Do you want that new life? Ready to experience the life that Jesus can give you? And instead of answering yes or no, we just say, I can't. I can't. It never works. I try so hard. I keep trying the same thing. It's not working. So technically, we never even answered Jesus' question. We just said it's no use. It's hopeless. This man and many others that surrounded this pool of Bethesda, they were waiting on a miracle at a pool. They went to the pool for help. They went to this pool to find healing. They put their hope in this pool. So the real problem is not that this man couldn't get into the pool in time. That's the problem, that he put his help and his hope in a pool instead of Jesus. I get asked to, to help people quite often, just the, the nature of the job, right? It's the position that I have as a pastor. I get to be a spiritual mentor and a spiritual guide for a lot of people. So I get emails and phone calls. Many of you will stop me in the lobby. And trust me, I love that part of what I do. I love gathering together on Sundays, giving you the truth of God. But I love Monday through Saturday, sitting across a table at Panera with you and hearing what you're going through and be able to offer. I mean, I'm not saying I have all the answers, but let's find out what God's word says and let's walk through that together. I love that part of what I get to do with you and with the people in our community. So I get asked a lot of advice. I get asked to help a lot for a lot of different things. You know what you have never asked me to help with though? There's a few things. No one has ever called me and said, Brian, my car won't start. I need you over here right now to help me with my car. Now, if you know me, you know that me getting my oil changed is a big deal because there's no way I'm going to know how to do any of those things. So you know, if those of you that know me well know like, mm, man, I really like Brian. I think he's a pretty good pastor. I mean, he's mediocre at best, but there's no way I'm going to ask him to help me with my car. I might ask him a Bible question, but I'm not going to ask him a car question. You know, another thing I've never been asked to help with is reaching things at a high place. <laughs> never happened. Even my kids know not to ask me this anymore. And they're like that tall. They just immediately go and get the step ladder and just bypass me. Like, dad, I got this. Don't, I'm not going to embarrass you by asking you and then you saying I can't do it. So I'm just going to bypass you. 
Yes, there are plenty of things that I can help you with, as long as it is in the vein of listening and providing spiritual guidance. Outside of that, you need to talk to somebody else. I'll help make a connection, but man, if you've got car problems, if you're trying to reach something, you need to go somewhere else. Please don't put your hope in me. Don't try to come to me for help with a lot of different things. I think that's what's happening here. This man went to a pool for help. Let me ask you a question. Where do you go for help? I mean true help. You've got an addiction that you just can't kick. Where do you go for help? Your marriage is falling apart and you don't know how to fix it. Where do you go for help? Parenting. You read the book and it told you nothing. So where do you go for help? Your finances are tanking and spiraling out of control. Your debt is getting more and more and more intense. Where do you go for help? You're walking through a tragedy. You're walking through a crisis that you didn't see coming. Where do you go for help? You're confused about what you're supposed to do with your life and, and what's next. And you've got this opportunity and this opportunity. Where do you go for help? You've been hurt by someone, not by your own doing, but by the sin of somebody else. Where do you go for help? Where do you go for help? Our world today is full of pools of Bethesda that have popularity and have superstitions around, ooh, they're going to provide help, they're going to provide healing, they're going to provide hope. And you get there, and guess what? You're disappointed for 38 years. Sometimes we find hope, we're looking for hope in the wrong places. But we get comfortable looking for hope in the wrong places. That's the hard part. If you talk to an alcoholic, they would say it's not right, but that's the life that they've known. And they would probably say, well, I don't think this provides help and hope, but it's the only thing I know to go to right now. What happens when the hope and the help that you keep going to disappoints you day after day after day after day? Jesus says, are you ready for a change? Are you ready for new life? Are you ready to put your hope and help and healing in someone and not in a pool? So Jesus gives him a command. He says, are you ready to get well? The man doesn't even answer the question, just says, it's not worth it. I can't. It's helpless. It's useless. It's hopeless. Jesus doesn't even acknowledge his answer. I love that. He doesn't rationalize it with this man. He doesn't even explain away the superstition. Jesus goes straight to the problem. This man's heart, his trust in him and his faith. So notice the command that Jesus gives. Verse 8, Jesus told him, stand up, pick up your mat, and walk. Now, before we kind of unpack that part, let's make an observation here. Did you catch what this man called Jesus when he replied to him? Did you catch it? He said, I can't, and then there was a word he used. Sir, yes. The reason we bring that up is because he doesn't call him rabbi. He does not call him by his name Jesus. He does not call him Lord. The the use of this man saying, sir, is a very generic and general term. So here's the assumption we can make. This man that is needing healing has no clue who Jesus is. No clue. If he did, there would have been much, there would have been a very different name. Again, Lord, there would have been uh, even Messiah at this point, potentially, at least rabbi. But he just says, sir. 
In other words, I have no idea who you are, dude, but I'm going to be respectful, is what he's saying. And I love that Jesus met this man physically where he was at, but also met him spiritually where he was at. This man did not know Jesus at all, and Jesus still showed up in his life. Jesus will do the same for us. Well, I don't know him very well, and I don't know all the answers, and I've not read all the Bible, and I don't really know what I believe. Jesus will meet you where you are at. There's another side to it. Jesus will meet you where you are at, but he will refuse. He refuses to leave you there. The same is true for this man. Jesus meets him where he's at, but refuses to leave this man where he is. Now, yes, we all have a choice. Are we going to follow Jesus or not? But Jesus' desire for you is not just to meet you where you're at, but to meet you there and then to move you forward, to bring change about in your life that comes from the new life that he gives us. So let's pick this apart. The stand up, pick up your mat, and walk. That command, technically those three commands that Jesus gives this man here, I want us to apply to us personally. Because even though maybe your legs walk well, some of you better than others, You might not have a healing that's needed like we're reading in the story, but we've all got a sick heart. We've all got those things that we don't want other people to know about. We've all got those things where if Jesus looked at us in the eye and said, are you ready for a change? We would know what he's talking about. Can you at least nod in recognition? Like we've all got that stuff. I'm in the same boat. So with that in mind, I believe Jesus not only is looking at this man, but I think he could look at us and say those three commands as well. To stand up, pick up your mat and walk. And here's what I mean by that. The first one. Stand up and trust. Stand up and trust. After 38 years of this man being very comfortable, sitting in the same spot by the same pool, the same place with the same people every single day, 38 years, for the most part, he had been in that same spot. And now Jesus, this random guy to this man says, stand up. Now you've got to be thinking, even with all the authority that Jesus had, and still has, this man had to be just racing through the what ifs. Well, what if this guy's wrong? What if I try to stand up and and it doesn't work? What if I stand up and I'm so weak, I fall over and I look like a fool? Like, what if this doesn't happen the way that I'm wanting it to happen? What if this is just another disappointment like all the other days the last 38 years? What if this doesn't work? Standing up requires trust. Jesus is asking this man to do something he physically could not do. It was an impossibility. The miracle doesn't happen unless Jesus is the one that says it, and this man is the one that trusts in the one who said it. The miracle does not happen without trust in Jesus. So this man has to trust in Jesus, put his faith in Jesus, and stand up with worries, stand up with the what-ifs, And put his hope, not in the pool, but put it in Jesus. I said it this way, and as I was studying through it, that your desire for change has to be greater than your desire for comfort. Because I could totally imagine that man sitting here like, hey man, thank you so much for the offer to stand up, but it's just not, it's, now's not a good time. Like this pool bubbles periodically, and man, I've been waiting, I think it's getting close again. How about you just help me get in the pool? How about you just give me some more money? There's some other things that you can do, but you telling me to stand up, I'm just not ready yet. The longer we sit and the longer we're comfortable, the harder it is to get up and stand up. And it is most definitely going to require a lot of trust. 
So stand up and trust. Then Jesus tells them to pick up your mat. I would say pick up your mat and leave your old life behind. If you've heard the phrase, burn the boats, burn the ships, very similar idea here. Because what Jesus is telling this man to do is stand up, pick up your comfort blanket, the thing that you have sat on for 38 years, the place that you've gotten to know. I want you to physically pick that up because you're not going to need it in this same spot anymore. Jesus didn't say stand up, but leave your mat right there because, man, you know, sometimes this stuff wears off and you might need to come back here tomorrow. So like you don't want to lose your spot. You've worked 38 years, you've worked your way up in line and you're really close to that pool. I'd hate to be the reason that you needed to come back to this. So why don't you stand up, leave it there, put your name on it, and maybe you can come back in a few weeks if you need to. No. He says, stand up and walk away from it. Stand up and take this. You're not gonna need it anymore. You never need to come back to this place again. Stand up, take your mat because you're never gonna need it in this place again. And then he says, and walk, and walk. He does not say, stand up and stay right there. Stand up and don't move. Stand up and stay. No, it's stand up and walk. I'm gonna tell you the obvious, but let's just make sure we're on the same page. This is what walking looks like, right? So what does walking require? It requires taking what? Steps. How many of them? Just one? Oh, I got to keep going. You mean I, I can't stop? <laughs> See, so often that's where we get in our relationship. Okay, we stand up. I get I got to walk away from some things, but I'm going to take three steps. Sounds pretty good. Three's a good number. How about three? One, two, three, and I'm done. No, I think the sentiment that is happening here is not just physically, yes, get up and walk, but it's take a step and then another one and then another one and then another one and then another one and then another one. And before you know it, you're walking in your new life and your life looks differently, but guess what? You don't stop. You keep taking another step and you keep taking another step. Things that you've never been able to do before, you're taking one at a time. You're not necessarily taking leaps, but you're taking one step after another and you don't stop walking in your relationship with Jesus. It's one step after another, after another, after another. And the moment you stop taking steps, you've stopped walking. And the moment you stop walking, you start to look for a place to sit down, don't you? And then once we find a spot where we sit down, we start to get really comfortable. And the more we stay put and the more we get comfortable, once again, the harder it is to stand back up and start all over again. I think the miracle here is, yes, Jesus gave physical abilities to this man. But for this man's heart, it was a miracle of moving from comfortable to being uncomfortable. I think we can find ourselves and we can put our name in this story. And I think Jesus would say the same to us. Stand up and trust in me. Stand up and trust. Pick up that old life and walk away from it. And keep taking next steps. Don't stop taking those next steps in your relationship with Jesus. That's how we grow with him. That's how we grow in our faith. That's how we move away from comfort and into a deeper faith where we depend more and more and more on him. I love that again, 
Jesus gave him the power to stand up, right? But don't miss that Jesus also gave him the power to walk. It's the power to take those next steps. And so often we get very afraid and we get very comfortable. What if these next steps? What about? Jesus gives us the power to stand up. He also gives us the power to take a next step and another and another so that we're walking. Let me read out of Ephesians chapter 4. Sums this up really well. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 21. Since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him. Oh man, both of those are important. This is a whole other side thing, but let me sit here for a second. Since you've heard about Jesus and who he is and what he offers and what he provides and what he has done, once you know about him and then the and is important and you've learned the truth that comes from him, there is truth. And can we just acknowledge without getting into all the mess of it that truth is just under attack in our culture today? And it's not truth as, well, this is what I think. It's the truth, did you notice, that comes from who? Him, Jesus, not me, not you, not a neighbor, not anybody else on this planet, but truth that comes from him. Well, what happens if my truth doesn't line up with his truth? You're wrong. What happens if my person, what if Brian's truth doesn't match up with Jesus's truth? I'm wrong. Church, we have to recognize that we might be wrong with what we want and what we find comfortable. When you've heard about Jesus and you have learned the truth that comes from him, look at what happens next. And let's be honest, that requires trust. Because Jesus, I might not always agree with you. I might not always understand. So yes, it requires trust in him. Verse 22 tells us to throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. That sounds a lot like pick up your mat and leave your old life behind. Verse 23, instead, let the spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature is created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. That sounds a lot like walking in new life, one step after another. Paul sums it up, chapter 5, verse 1 and 2. So imitate God, therefore, in everything you do, every step you take, we are to imitate God in all that we do. Why? Because you are his dear children. It's not to wear some badge that says how great I am. Notice how good of a walker I am. Look at all my next steps. No, it's because we are children of God, dearly loved by him. Live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. He loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. That's what walking looks like. Sacrificial with love and faith and trust, depending more and more on him which sometimes, not all the time, but sometimes we do have to make this choice. Am I gonna follow Jesus and the change that he'll bring to my life? Or am I gonna just settle for being comfortable? It's easier to sit than it is to stand. It's easier to sit than it is to pick up your mat and leave your old life behind. It is easier to sit than to take next steps. Here's what I want to do. I'm going to put three questions up on the screen. Let me walk through these with you real quick so you understand what I want you to do, and then I'll explain. 
Three questions. What is keeping you from trusting Jesus? That's the stand-up part. For this, for this man, it was the what-ifs. Well, what if this doesn't work? And what if this falls through? And what if I look like an idiot? What if I look foolish? What if he doesn't do what he says he's going to do? Like, it's all those what-ifs that keep us from trusting Jesus. What are yours? If Jesus looked at you and said, stand up, trust me, follow me, you're like, yeah, but what is keeping you from trusting Jesus? Second question, what do you need to walk away from? Great question we should ask regularly. The goal here is not perfection, but yes, the goal is to follow in the example of Jesus and thank God for his grace. But can you at least recognize, man, there's some things I do. I need to pick up my mat and walk away from this. And I don't need to keep going back to it. I'm going to burn the ships and burn the boats, pick up my mat and walk away from my old life. Last question, what is your next, and I added this, what is your next uncomfortable step? And I hope, if you're here long enough, I hope that this just becomes one of those things, oh my goodness, Brian, stop asking what my next step is. Like, I hope you get sick of me saying that. But that is the best way I know to help you own your faith and grow in a deeper relationship with Jesus. Because I could tell you, well, you need to start serving and make sure you're giving and make sure you're this and make sure you're that. Does nothing for you unless it's coming from you, though. Don't do it because it's some list you heard your pastor rattle off. Would you have a moment of recognizing Jesus is leading me? I need to follow. And it can be uncomfortable. So what is your next uncomfortable step? I'll be happy to give you advice on it. Now, that's my wheelhouse, like I said, not cars, but I can help you with this part. But I'd rather it start with you. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go and sit down, stop talking, I've talked long enough, and I'm going to let you just pray through these. Have a moment between you and Jesus. What's keeping you from trusting in him? Talk to him about that. Share your fears, your concerns, and your doubts. What do you need to walk away from? You probably know what it is, but would you ask Jesus to give you the power and the strength to walk away from it? If you don't have the power for it, here's a great prayer for you. God, take it away from me. I can't do this, so I need you to just do it. Get ready. Don't pray that unless you're ready for it. And what do you think that next step is he's calling you towards? In your relationship with him, where does he want to lead you? Take a few moments, pray, and we'll come back together.